0: Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman. We want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman. He's our Senior Minister for Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. As we start our second year, we continue our grand adventure of exploring interfaith. We're so excited you have joined us today. So buckle up for our 2022 adventure with today's podcast.
1: Good day. This is Dave Lyman, the Senior Minister of the Interfaith Explorers. We welcome you today to a very special June podcast. On Wednesday, June 15, Spiritual Life Center held a special service. It was named Women of Faith and In-Depth Conversation. There were four women faith leaders from the Sacramento region exploring different facets of their faith. Today, our podcast is a live stream recording of the service. We ask that you sit back and enjoy it. Thanks so much. Okay. Good evening, everybody. I'd like to welcome you all here tonight and let you know that the disembodied voice you're hearing is from Dave Lyman. I'm going to be moderating, but I didn't want to get on the stage with these four goddesses. (laughs) I'm a little smarter than that. And whether you're here virtually or you're here in the sanctuary, we give thanks that you've joined us. We also wanted to let you know that in the end, the recording of this event tonight will be the Interfaith Explorers podcast for June. Again, my name is Reverend Dave Lyman, and I've been an interfaith minister for some 20 years. I'm a board member of the Interfaith Council of Greater Sacramento and a member of a number of interfaith communities in the United States. As always, we will start this gathering through prayer. And so let these words set our intention this night. I ask you all to take a breath and move within to the divine you are. Let these words be your words. Sweet Spirit, tonight we sit with thee in sanctuary, sharing this sacred space and this perfect gathering. We ask for open hearts and open ears to hear the oh so many ways of adoring you. Help us to know at a deeper level there is only one and it is you filled with love. We give thanks this night, sweet spirit in that you are known by so many names. And we're honored to share that tonight. And we say, Amen. Our program tonight will be approximately one hour long. And it's sponsored by Interfaith Explorers to build bridges by educating each other about faith traditions. Tonight, we're going to share the experiences of four women about their faith traditions. And there are five questions we're going to discuss. But as I told the panelists, who have two to three minutes to share on each topic, we're going to let spirit run this tonight. If we end up doing 60 minutes on one question, so be it. So let's see where the grand adventure takes us. But first of all, just because, we want to make sure we don't disrupt the flow, and we want to make sure that we acknowledge the abundance and prosperity and the many ways we have of lighting the Christ candle right in front of us. Isn't it amazing that it is as if God had his hand in that? And we thank Elaine for doing that. So each of us bring to everything that we do, time and treasure and tithing. And imagine holding that within you and knowing there are many ways to tithe, from volunteering to prosperity, and there are many methods to do so. As you notice, it says up there, text SLC love to 44321. And we say this offering Divine love is me through me, blesses and multiplies all that I am, all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive in your name. Amen. Now I'm going to introduce our panelists. This is the fun part. And of course, since I'm in charge, I'm going to start off with my beloved. Because I live with her and it's safer to start off with her. <laughs> Rachel's led interfaith Programs since, ni- since 2007. When she came as a little Presbyterian girl and decided she wanted to know everything about every faith tradition on earth. She developed an organization called Interfaith Explorers and in 2010 set up a set of classes that had rituals, talks, food, and different parts of experiential experiences, and had over a hundred people for a 10-class year. She's also co-chaired the Sunday night or Wednesday night interfaith connection, and at one point in time, put together a 500 person tour of the Sikh temple in West Sacramento. When the man who runs the Sikh temple looked at her and said, Rachel, you take charge. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Rachel. <laughs> Next up is Keddie Davidson. Keddie is a really active member of the Baha'i faith and is currently a member of the Elk Grove Interfaith Council. We've recently got to know Ketty, and she is filled with passion and heart about the Baha'i faith. In addition, she and her husband have been actively involved in helping promote and put on the Baha'i Sacramento Regional Conference in April, where they had over 300 people who participated with the goal of fostering a culture of peace and bringing together the well-wishers of humanity. Thank you for joining us tonight, Ketty. Next, I'd like to introduce Karen Fujikawa, who practices all sorts of different faith traditions and, as an aside, is the only person I know who plays the harmonium. She and her husband are active members of the Yoga Center of Costa Mesa, a spiritual community in Southern California started by Rama Krishna. She is also an active member and volunteer at the Vedanta Society of Sacramento, which is a Hindu community and an active member of Spiritual Life Center, plus other faith traditions that interest her. She started off growing up in a missionary kind of life, and has been on a mission ever since to learn everything she can about faith. Welcome, Karen. And finally, we have Duryeh Sayed, and I'm not going to say finally because I've known Duryeh a long time. She's from the Sacramento Area League of Associated Muslim Salaam Center, but she's more than that. She's been the president of the Interfaith Council of Sacramento. She's worked with Habitat for Humanity in Guatemala, not just once, but twice. She has a long history of interfaith work in the region, and there is no one in the region, double negative coming, that doesn't know (laughs) Duryea. She's been honored with lots of awards for her work in Interfaith, And she was a power of one honoree both in 2011 and 2019 for the work she's been doing. Finally, in the end, she's a friend of Spiritual Life Center, was a close friend of Faith Moran, and is a friend of ours. Welcome, Dewey. Again, I want to say this is not set in stone. We're making this up as we go along. So let's get started. In today's world, it seems that all faith traditions have a goal and intention of slowing down. Meditation is one way to do that. So I wanted to ask each of you, if meditation plays a part in your life, does it fit into your daily protocols? And what are the blessings you get if you do meditate? And if you don't meditate traditionally, what ways do you meditate? What ways do you find to slowing down? Who would like to start? Who would like to go second?
0: (laughs) I'll start. Is this on, Cameron? Yes, it is. All right. So tonight, uh, you're going to hear a mixed bag of things from me, because I was raised Presbyterian. My first marriage took me into 20 years of Catholicism and back to Presbyterianism, and then a friend brought me to unity. So I've, I've got a lot of background on, in various areas. So the Presbyterians and the Catholics don't meditate during their services or their masses, so I didn't learn anything about meditation uh, in, in those years. But in 2005, when I walked in the door at... at uh, a spiritual life center. I uh, found that they do a meditation during their service. Well, I didn't know anything about meditating, and at that time, jo- uh, Joan and Mike Zaglarski were doing classes on meditation. So I took some classes just to find out how you do it. I mean, what do you, I mean? You sit, but what else? You know. So um, uh, now, uh, Dave and I, as far as uh, what we do now, is um, when we do a meditation. We love Reverend Janae Marth's um, CD. It's a meditation tape on healing. So we've almost, we've actually worn that out several times and bought more CDs. But we love that one and it speaks to what we need to hear. Uh, So that's when when we do our meditations. Blessings for meditations? Oh my gosh. If I don't center and meditate To begin my day, um, I'm all over the. Sometimes I'm all over the place, Uh, and if I meditate, I'm grounded in spirit. I feel closer to God, and I'm I'm uh, I'm a nicer person. (laughs) Uh, Spiritually uh, grounded, you know. I have to be a little bit nicer to everybody, and and nicer to myself too. So it really is something that I is in my life. And I need to keep in my life. So
1: thank you. Thank you, Rachel. And so let's go to the other side of the table.
2: Well, um, meditation is sort of my uh, thing that I have been doing for—if I tell you how long, you'll try and figure out how old I am. Since 1972, I've meditated twice a day. There were a couple times in my life when I was in the hospital where I didn't—I I didn't do it, but. Virtually every day for the last, how many years is that? 49? 49 years. Yeah. So um, I love it. I, I use a form of meditation that has been given to me by, a, by my teacher, which is, uh, you know, there's two main types of meditation. Form, where you're thinking of a, another form of God, or formless, where, you know, we're all one. And and I do both, but the main one I do is with with a form. I, I I love Jesus actually. Now you're thinking, yeah, but you're here as a Hindu. You know, Hindus accept everybody really. It doesn't matter. But but the training that I've had is in the Hindu tradition, and I'll we'll probably you know talk about it more as it comes up. I don't leave the house without meditating. I. I mean, if we're leaving on a trip at 5 in the morning, I'm getting up at 3.30. I mean, I just can't do it without it. So it's, um, I have been blessed to not have a problem doing it. I just love to do it. And so I, I hope that it's made me a better person. But it's been so long that, you know, I mean, I just, I just do it no matter what.
1: Thank you, Karen. How about you, Katie?
3: Uh, sure um, for me um, I know meditation is, has been a very challenging uh, uh, thing for me in general um, I know uh, being as a Baha'i there's not a certain um, criteria or role uh, for meditation uh, we've been you know they've been given uh, that we uh, prayers is like um, that, you know we, we use prayer and meditation in all of our daily activities and before we wake up, and then we go to sleep, and things like that. And um, I try to make myself practice meditation, and um, I try many things. And uh, I know there's a lifelong um, activity that I have to do, and uh, I have to master it, and I'm always trying to do it. And the best time that I usually meditate is like at midnight. And um, I know uh, the, the founder, of the Baha'i Faith, Baha'u'llah tells us that uh, um, you know when we meditate and uh, when we talk to our own spirit, um, our uh, you know we we um, uh, we break away from reality of you know the physical realm and then we go to the head, to the spirit and then we talk to our spirit itself, and it says um, uh, that they strengthen our um, capacity to know God. And then, and then we usually pray, and uh, things that are unseen to us in our physical realm will be more open to us. And uh, and then he says, um, through uh, through it, meaning through the meditation, we receive divine inspiration, and through also with the meditation, we receive heavenly uh, food. And so we usually um, try to uh, put that into our practice, and then. Um, it's challenging, but uh, sometimes, you know, uh, you just, just before you go to sleep, if you just, you know, especially we always uh, go through life, it's, uh, our life is always go, go, go with our children, and uh, work and things like that, it's a pressure. And when you just meditate, you know, you just stay still. Like even having that silence time really helps you to uh, see that because we are noble, we're spirit. So we have to get ourselves to connect with our spirit. And uh, so that's one thing I'm trying to do uh, in my uh, life. And um, so that, um, you know, we, we, we distinguish light and darkness from light when we meditate. In that state, we see that the light that we, um, the most prophets uh, talk about. And also we talk about, we, uh, we figure out what's right and what's wrong when we meditate. It gives us that uh, clarity when we meditate. So I usually use this, So that um, I, as one of you guys mentioned, you become more, better person when you meditate. So,
1: thank you, Kadi. You're welcome. And Durya.
4: So, um, so I think meditation is big part of every religion. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he used to go to cave Hira, and he will connect there with God, or you know, and um, reflect. And um, still, when people go to the pilgrimage, it's a very um, it's a it's a very um, difficult hike to go up there and then be there. Um, uh, so in Muslim in Muslims we are given five prayers. So we have five prayers: morning, afternoon, mid afternoon. So like maybe it's like five in the morning, and then it depends on the sun and you know so it's it depends on the um, time of you know winter or summer so but it's morning five then it's one o'clock then it's 5 36 and then uh, then it, it will be at 7 30 and then at night you know so not seven thirty it will be actually eight thirty nine nowadays and then it will be like um hour two hour after so we have five prayers but honestly every prayer is teaching us to take that time and be present with somebody else. So a reminder for us that, you know, world is important, but there is a connection that we should make. But for me, and everybody is a morning and night person, and I believe in that works with meditation and prayers also. So we're given five prayers, but for me, the meditative prayer is the morning one. When I wake up, And even before waking up, I think I go in the stage where I feel so blessed or, you know, I have shoes and things. I talk to myself before that, and then I do the prayers, morning prayers. And most of the time, morning prayer, um, I will recite a little bit part of it. Which means, which of the favors of your Lord will you deny? So I think I need that reminder to say it again and again, uh, you know, in the morning. And uh, and also, like you said, at night, I think night, uh, we are encouraged to pray in the middle of the night. That is an optional prayer, you know. And uh, and I think that's one of the prayers where everybody's sleeping and, you know, it's it's more of a time. So I think that's the time for me. be meditating and I feel that strong connection I think uh, like Rachel if I don't do that in the morning my whole day is like oh I haven't I'm missing I'm missing I'm catching that up to that so
1: yeah and and so let's swing right into the next thing which is about prayer you know prayer is the act of communication with God and you talked about it's such an important part of your faith tradition Five times every day. There is in any city that is traditionally a majority Muslim a call to prayer that you hear from the towers. And and so the question is, um, you've, you've talked a little bit about how prayer fits for you, and you've talked about how often. What difference does it make for you? I mean... When you were growing up, there was a point in time as a child, you weren't praying. Talk about suddenly you started.
4: So in in, uh, Islam, it's kind of a strict thing. Since seven years, it's very, you know kids are encouraged to pray, you know. But the obligation is once you become mature, um, you know, and physically and mentally mature, and you start five times, Praise. So each time takes seven minutes. So I want you to do seven or five minutes, depending how fast you do that. So we have a ritual. When we do the prayer, we start with subhanakallahumma We start with praises to God, you know. And first of all, we make the intention. So we make the intention, this is this time of the day. I'm praying. I'm facing Kaaba. I'm, so we face Kaaba when we pray. And uh, we also do ablution, which is like we do a special wash before praying. Um, So every time we pray, we do a special washer. That brings us ready for our prayers, actually. So we will gargle, put in nose water, face. Then we wash our hands. We go over top of our hair, in our ears, back. And then we uh, go and wash our feet. So that's how most... uh, uh, And we, we don't have to... Do it every single time. So if we wear socks in the morning, we can, for 24 hours, we can just wipe over the socks so we don't have to, uh, you know, do while we are at work and stuff. But I think what it does to me, it two things. And I was talking to somebody, um, and um, you suggested that at noontime, uh, there was, should be a time where we say blessing to everybody and say around the world. So we start our prayer with subana Kalama, like praising God. And when we are done with our prayers, we sit on our, um, you know, down uh, not on our knees but you know sit down and our hands are on knees and we say assalamu alaikum wa and assalamu alaikum wa one time right time and one left time so we say bless the whole world from this part to that part may the blessing with be you and may the blessing with be you so i think that part resonates with me you know also one of the parts that in each prayer we do is not only pray for Um, you know, uh, pray for, uh, you know, uh, we talk about Prophet Muhammad and God, but we also send blessing to the Abrahamic faith. We say, you know, bless us, like you said, all the people of Abraham and stuff. So I think it just reinforced my interfaith connection with all the uh, people you know and, and for me it's not only Abrahamic faith I'm also thinking of everybody you know um, so I think those are the thing that prayers does to us and um, and I believe in the power of prayers and stuff so and we were jokingly saying that that when we had rains few weeks ago it was because we were praying so hard <laughs> <laughs>
1: I heard a wonderful thing that said that um, faith is the boy bringing an umbrella to a prayer fest for rain. So how about the other three? Who wants to go next and talk about prayer in their life?
0: I'll go next. Because, <laughs> uh, Duryea, you reminded me of how important prayer is. And for me, uh, I I went from the usual prayers in a household in the 50s uh, where we prayed before a blessing before we ate our food. And the blessing was, thank you, God, for this food. Amen. Bingo, we're done. Let's eat, you know. And also the the child's prayer before you go to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now... Being older, I go, good Lord, I was praying about I might die. You know. <laughs> but anyway, we didn't think about that. That's just something you learned as, as, as a child. Um, the uh, Presbyterian services uh, always have an invocation at the beginning, which is like a prayer, and a benediction at the end too. And they always say the Lord's Prayer during their services as well. When I became Catholic, you go to a mass and you're given a, a prayer book and in there, there's the same prayers over and over again for Jesus, for Mary, for the saints. And so you you kind of memorize them. And actually, I did. years later, I was in a, a Catholic church somewhere, and I, I could still remember <laughs> all of the prayers, um, which was OK. Um, there's also the rosary beads in the Catholic church. And there's about 25 or so beads and there's a specific way you pray with the beads, certain prayers so many times, you know, and it's it's an almost like it's a meditative uh, prayer for let,
1: sure. me, let me interrupt and for those of you that want to see it, Mother Angela is a television Catholic channel, and she does the rosary. And so she does exactly what Rachel's talking about.
0: Now, when I came to Unity um, Spiritual Life Center, does not say the Lord's Prayer during any of their services. But Dave and I, uh, Dave has spoken at many, many churches, and um, a lot of the other Unity churches always have the Lord's Prayer somewhere in their services. So it almost reminded me of being a Presbyterian again when I was at those particular Unity churches. But uh, of course, the Lord's Prayer is is precious. So um, then at the Spiritual Life Center, oh, about 15 or so years ago, I became a prayer chaplain and um, learned a different type of prayer, learning to pray with people out loud. And then we had a call list where we'd pray with so many people every month over the phone, wellness calls it was. But I learned, I just it was a different type of prayer because someone will come to you with a, a face-to-face with a particular problem or issue, but you're not gonna pray for a specific outcome. You're gonna pray for that person's highest and best good. And uh, when the prayer is over, you let it go. If you see that person the next week, you don't ask them, hey, how did that turn out? No, because when you say the prayer, and that was hard for me because I'm codependent, and I wanted to be in control and know what God was gonna <laughs> do, right? So. Um, Three minutes. Anyway, you. let it go. And so, what I found was being a prayer chaplain certainly deepened my prayer life, and I trust God more now. Yes. Three minutes. Am I over?
1: Well, you're, you've hit three minutes. I'm I've hit three minutes. Know. Okay.
0: So, um, anyway, uh, my day, my current daily practice is, I pr- I think I think prayers all day long. Uh, I, at my age, I appreciate. More and more of life. And I'm always saying prayers of gratitude in my mind to, to God. So blessings for me is, again, um, the, not, not only the, the meditation, but the prayers also ground me. I trust God more. And if I'm in a grocery store, I may want to pray with somebody. It's like it's in my soul now. So... Um, it's, it's, it's just a blessing forever and ever for me. So I'm grateful for where I am right now.
1: And she, when we go on any trip out of our driveway, before we f- pull out of the driveway, she makes sure that we do a prayer surrounding the car with light and making sure that spirit is with us in our journey.
0: That's because I don't trust your
1: driving. <laughs> This is yeah. what happens when a husband and wife work together. <coughs> Karen, would you like to go? <laughs> Please.
2: My father did that all the time too. We didn't go anywhere without praying first. Well, so in my life, prayer and meditation are very similar. It's a time to, of communion with God, and um, so it's hard to separate it out at, at, at home. I mean, like Rachel, I'm pretty much praying all the time, but certainly going into meditation and coming out, it's, it's, it's a direct communion with the Lord of my heart. Now, I'm a prayer chaplain, too. That's a whole different way of praying, and actually, I, I learned that uh, metaphysical kind of prayer um, many years ago. I, it was taught to us at the yoga center. One of the kinds of yoga that I do is called jnana yoga, and that is very similar to the uh, unity way of thinking, where everyone has a soul and is, um, you know, you can slay the body, but the soul lives on forever. It's a a very comforting way of thinking, you know. But, like, if I do a, uh, a memorial service for somebody, you know, in my friend group, I'll, I'll do both. I'll do a, this person has not died, their body is gone, but their soul lives on. There's the, that part, but there's the other part of where we're human. We are human, and the, the verse in the, you know, Dave said my parents were missionaries, Baptist missionaries. I've got a lot of verses in there. The verse that I like is, um, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither life nor death, nor you know, it goes on, and um, and and that's that human part that that the Lord God can just um, you know wrap us in love, and it's a way more personal uh, way of thinking about it. So for me, both are true, both you know, the unity and the personal New Testament, and also. Bhakti Yoga, which is what I do, is the yoga of devotion. So I like them both. Thanks,
3: Teddy. Thank you. It's wonderful. I like to uh, pray. I like to pray, really, um, uh, because when we pray, like uh, I feel that um, we are conversing with uh, with the unknowable. I know, we don't know where he's at, and then uh, we. I mean, I'm saying he, but I don't even know if it's he. But we are conversing with that human. Uh, not human, being, uh, the spirit. And uh, when, uh, when I pray, I always try to make myself really, because not like run, 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 and then I just drop and say prayer. So I try to prepare myself before we, I even pray. Um, I make myself like um, clean, clear my mind, and uh, try to find a, a clean place. And, um, and also making myself submissive to him, because I he created me. So I try to bring myself, prepare myself to that, I try. And I sit down and try to say a prayer. And I know that um, we could say prayer by ourselves, using our words, but in the Baha'i Writings, there are some revealed um, prayers that we could actually use, that are revealed to us through Baha'u'llah for us to use. And then there are a number of uh, prayer topics, like, for example, for, human- for humanity, for love, for departed soul, for many, many. So I try to say prayers for even for the departed people so that when I say prayer, um, they could help me for, from there. And also when they go to into the next world, they also say prayers for us. So we are kind of like connected somehow. So I feel that all the time, you know, when I say especially prayer for the departed people, uh, in in our faith, there are general prayers that I just mentioned. Also, obligatory prayers that we have. There are three obligatory prayers like the, the Muslims have, and we could choose any of them: uh, the the short, the medium, and the long one. And uh, with my busy life, I usually say my the short uh, obligatory prayer, which is very maybe three sentences. And there are ablution that we do, and uh, just making ourselves clean. And we just there is a place that we uh, put ourselves, face, uh, facing ourselves, which is uh, Israel um, and in Akka, where the prophet, founder of Baha'u'llah, is laid to rest. And so we, we do that in general. Um, so when we pray, the purpose of the prayer, the Baha'i faith is to grow closer to God and His manifestations. And then uh, Baha'u'llah, God sent many manifestations throughout the years. And um, so we just, it makes us closer to them. And then it helps us better, uh, better ourselves, you know, conduct ourselves uh, in a better way and help the world. And I also, request divine assistance. Um, so, in general, um, when, we, uh, when we say prayers, just not saying asking God, do this for me, do that for me. We uh, do things um, like we act, like, you know, to do service. Um, In the Baha'i faith, when we uh, um, actually serve humanity, the the action, you know, is also considered as worship. Um, So when we uh, serve humanity, just think about it. You know, God has elevated that to worship. So I always, when I serve humanity, I think about, oh my goodness, I'm praying every day, (laughs) practically. Um, So that's really uh, unique for me to... So the sincerity of prayer is also important because when we say prayer, like, for example, now that prayer is sincere. And if you want to do something like very drastic um, prayer that you want this to happen, but that sincere prayer, it goes to God. And then we might not be here to see that thing being um, accomplished. Uh, For example, it could be like. Uh, we don't have temple in the Baha'i, like in Elgrove Grove area, so maybe if I could say a prayer for them temple to be built, I might not be there to see it, but I know because it's a sincere prayer, I know it's going to happen maybe in the future. So I, I have this, like, um, trust that uh, when I say the, the prayer, it will happen. So that's uh, one thing that I say when I say a prayer. It's just not saying prayer, but I would just leave it to God, and then I know because I'm there saying it uh, sincerely, it will happen. I'll just...
1: Thank you,
4: Kelly. I'm going to add to that, and that's what happens when you go first. You miss out so many things. So so in Muslim, um, um, in Islam, we have prayers and supplication. So the five prayers that we have, like you said, there are shorter one, like and a longer one, too. But the obligatory prayer, you do that, and that goes in a set way you can change few verses, you have few choices, but you start with praising God, and then you start with the opening chapter that you ask God to show you the right path, you know, and then you do praises, and that's, and you end your prayer with, you know, um, but when we are sitting here, there is one time where we raise finger, and this finger is our witness finger, so we witness that God is there, and Prophet Muhammad is the last Prophet, and we say that. And after that, we do few prayers. And I will say most of the time, fi dunya, zabanar. So we are asking goodness in this world and the hereafter. And then when we done, we we say Alaikum and done both the sides. Then we, uh, uh, you know, make a hand like you know over there, and then we do supplication and that's when we ask things that we want or you know you know so that's one of the thing and what you said about sincerity of the prayer that is so part of the prayer and i also believe that you all know when we even are on social media and something pops up and you're like oh my goodness i want this kid to get better so those are the prayer that just connects you with the humanity you don't intentionally prayer but it just registers or sometimes you get so happy with somebody so and you said oh i just want god to bless this person you know and that's when you're that we believe that those prayers are not intentional but they just come from the heart without a thought and i just want to intensify the meaning of those prayers and those prayers are when you get it when you serve the humanity you know, sometimes you, people will not say thank you, but it's in their eyes, in their, you know, in, in your deed. So I think that's what I wanted to add.
1: It was really interesting. Uh, uh, in the prayer chaplain program, we had a particular person who, um, you know, prayers come from everywhere, come from intentionality and just bubble up. But she got the prayer chaplain program to start adding f- four words at the end. She would do her prayer, and at the very end, she would go, and all is well. And I just loved that. And all is well, no matter what. And, and one of the things that was so interesting is we actually had a prayer chaplain, and, and it gave to me feedback about praying with other people, that when they came aboard as a prayer chaplain, we would take yearly pictures after she had been there six years as a prayer chaplain and praying with people, her picture six years down the road, you didn't recognize her as the person in the first picture. She had had so much softness into her life praying with people. And, and prayer, you know, impacts us just as much as meditation.
4: And I will take advantage of the thing if we stay on one question. I want to also add, I have been a hospital chaplain. Um, and for Muslim community, um, so I was on call chaplain at you know at night, and whenever I will go, I will not. I was not that great of a service to Muslim community actually, because I don't have a beard and I'm not imam, you know. So whenever I'll go, people will look at me and said, "Can you call the imam?" And I said, "Yes, I will." But then we then I was asked to be an interfaith, you know, um, interfaith chaplain, and I will go with any. Anybody who is going through hard time, and it's usually nighttime. So nighttime is a harder time for patient to go through, anyways. So I just love the fact that once I went there, and there was a person from. Uh, she was the wife of a priest, Lutheran priest, you know. And she looked at me and she said, "Are you going to pray for me?" And I'm like, "Yes." And she was like. And I looked at her and I'm like, she's uncomfortable. So I said to myself, and we have, we because as a hospital chaplain, you memorize different prayers for different faith, you know. So, um, so she said, and I said, you know what, how about you lead me into prayer? And then I joined that part. And I thought that was one of the best prayer because sometimes people want you to pray for them, but they already have a prayer in their heart and they're expecting that. So it's okay at that time to let them lead and join their prayers, you know. At, you know so yeah, I just wanted to share that part.
1: Thank you. That's, that's a great story. So one of the other parts of uh, faith traditions is Fasting. For some of us, stronger than others. Um, And so I wanted to talk about, do you have a tradition of fasting? Um, Is it the same for men and women? And what are the blessings and the challenges? And let's start off with Karen.
2: As you know, I don't fast. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so you know that diet that's going around these days where you only eat during certain times and they call it the fasting diet. Uh, my day is sort of like that. And here's how. Um, I do not eat for three hours before I do spiritual practices. And you would think that would not be difficult, but actually you sort of have to plan your day in the morning. What am I gonna do today? What's happening? When am I because it's it's an hour of meditation when I go to do it. So at lunch, I look at the clock. Okay, it's one o'clock now. I'm not going to meditate before four, or you know, say I I know I'm going to be busy all day. Okay, I'm doing both my meditations. Like when I babysit my grandchildren, I know I'm not going to get a minute to myself. I'll do both of the of the you know what I've committed to in the morning, and then you know I don't have to think about it. So anyway. Um, those are just short little fasts. But no, I have never done a, uh, a long one. I, I so admire, I've lived in Muslim countries when those long fasts are going on. Afghanistan, we lived there. And I, I mean, I so admire that, but that's not me.
1: There you go. So we probably should let it swing right over to someone that has a month of fasting.
0: Or maybe me. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you young lady (laughs) because uh, I didn't grow up fasting in the Presbyterian Church of course and the Catholics don't really fast but both the Presbyterians and the Catholics do honor Lent which is a 40-day period prior to Easter so the Catholics don't eat fish on Fridays during Lent meat I'm sorry they eat fish yeah they eat it well we ate a lot of fish um, and uh, so I asked the Catholic, uh, "What is? what do you, you know, what, why do you not do that? And so she says, well, I think uh, meat is heavier on the body, so it's a, more of a cleansing, whatever. But I think in the long uh, days ago, they were trying to honor the fishermen as well. So anyway, it doesn't matter. And then as a Presbyterian, we were, we're said, okay, now, this is Lent. Give something up that you really like. You know, like, oh, chocolate, whatever. So it was kind of not really a serious. I didn't really feel it was very meaningful for me. But on Unity, there's no fasting for uh, meals on Unity either or fasting period. However, I looked at the season for nonviolence, which is something that Unity uh, honors, which is, um, let's see, January 30th and through April 4th and those mark the um, commemoration of the assassinations of Mahatma Gandhi, uh, January 30th, and uh, Martin Luther King, Jr., April 4th. And during that period, uh, people uh, say different things about uh, violence and so forth, but we're supposed to fast from violence. It's a spiritual fast, and that is to me, is even more difficult because it's not just oh, well, I'll be nicer to people. But you have to be internally really true and honest with yourself, uh, not to think thoughts about somebody else that aren't kind, and not to do acts of violence or unkind acts. We're not violent people, but just something snippy. you know. And so to me, I look at unity and honor that as a spiritual fast. Uh, the blessings, of course, you, the people who really fast we will we'll talk about blessings.
4: So, yes, we have fasting. Uh, it's a month long. So we have five pillars uh, of Islam. And first one is um, Shahada, that's, uh, you know, saying there is one God and Prophet uh, Muhammad is the prophet, uh, you know, Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the prophet. The second is prayer. The first... The third is fast. You know? And then it is Hajj, the pilgrimage. And then, uh, uh, you know, um, and then uh, 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 Namaz, and then I sometimes translate in Urdu and then say that, uh, you know, Namaz was a Zakat, And the last one is elmsgiving that we give. So usually the fasting is so important because the fasting is one of the bravest form of worship and honestly this is one form uh, because we have to do five times of prayers it doesn't look that heroic to our kids but fasting does so we don't have to enforce it kids do fasting you know um, it's once a year and it keeps on rotating so it keeps on moving back 10 days so nowadays we are fasting in you know Um, We just finished uh, a month ago, uh, you know, about a month, more than a month ago, about two months ago. Um, We don't eat from dawn, you know, to sunset. We don't eat or drink water or anything, you know. So um, um, we also abstain from uh, backbiting and other, we have to be an extra improved version of ourselves, you know, which is harder when it is a time to break your fast two hours before. I don't laugh at my husband's joke at that time. It's just, (laughs) I joke, you know, that becomes a time, a tough time, or if you're seeing ad on the TV, you know, and stuff like that. But that is also our time, the best time to pray. So we, you will see, just before that, people will pray because you have been fasting and you are in that mode. So besides that, We also fast. We will also, there are optional fasting that we do. These are 29 to 30 days, depending on the lunar calendar. Sometimes it's 29 days of fast and sometimes 30. And during Ramadan and fasting time, the prayers are even longer. So we will pray sometimes from when we go to the mosque. We will pray from um, after we break the fast and we do the night prayer, which is about hour and a half after the breaking the fast. We will pray like few hours in the mosque and stuff. and all the kids and everybody will be there. So that's one one part where we pray and that's the month actually the fasting month is the month where our community gives the alms like they have to give money uh, you know they have to give, it's not charity it's like if you have $1,300 plus sitting in your bank account, two and a half percent of that doesn't belong to you. You have to give it to the poor. We don't monitor it, but people do give at that time, you know, so, so that's also becomes more of a fasting thing that we do. Um, so when, on July 10th, coming up on July 10th, it will be our another celebration that we commemorate for in the memory of Ishmael and Isaac, Ishmael and Abraham. And according to Muslims, that uh, Ishma, uh, Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, was asked to uh, sacrifice, you know, his son. And when he did that, it was, uh, and we believe it was Ishmael, and he was obedient. And when we he did that, it was uh, there was a lamb, and he was not sacred. So in that we sacrifice that's coming, and also for those day we also fast two days. We will fast, you know, uh, for uh, two days in the memory of that. We also fast when I feel like I'm down and life is. Not getting to me and this is the time where I have to make big decisions and stuff that's the day I will also fast also thinking that that will bring me ground to the reality so fasting is one of actually my favorite form of worship you know because I feel like that brings me closer to people who don't have food and stuff that gives me gets me closer to God And that also challenges me in spirituality, because it is very strongly said in Quran that fasting is not for the food. Food and water and things is one part. It is spirituality. It is how you will honor people. It is how you are going to come closer to God. It is how you are going to refrain yourself from lust or other things other temptations of uh, you know uh, during that period and time but we do eat sometimes people think we are not eating for 30 days we do break our fast you know at sunset and then we can eat from sunset to dawn you know so I think I went longer I'm sorry
1: Kelly
3: yeah so uh, the Baha'i feast has the similar uh, fasting period too Uh, Honestly, fasting is, uh, even though it's really an enlightenment and a rejuvenation time and things like that, um, just for uh, sometimes, you know, we are human beings and uh, working, especially working 12 hours, 16 hours and things like that, sometimes it could be a little bit challenging. But um, honestly, um, in the Baha'i faith, you know, um, fasting and prayer are the two wings of mankind. And um, so those are very important to have two wings uh, for humanity, to actually spiritually uplifted and rejuvenated and getting closer to uh, to God. And uh, in the faith, we are encouraged. We have There are two moral purposes. Um, and one is, uh, you know, making your—because in the Baha'i faith, we don't have clergy. We don't have priests or anything like that, so it's up to us to make ourselves really closer to God, so that's one moral purpose, and then the other one is we are encouraged to be um, a service to humanity. Uh, So, um, in regards to how do I rejuvenate my spirit and enlighten my spirit, you know, prayer and fasting. Fasting is given to us and is prescribed to us by the prophet, founder of the Baha'i faith, Baha'u'llah, in his uh, holy um, uh, Baha'i, writing, which is the Kitabi Yaktas, it's written really clearly that um, Baha'is who are 15 and older and um, they are in good health, uh, they could uh, um, you know, do their, their fasting uh, around March, like a spring equinox, or around that, just before spring equinox. Uh, beginning, of, beginning of March, like March 2nd, 1st, it depends um, also when uh, the um, lunar calendars, we call we, we go to, by, by that. so according to that from year to day it also changes a little bit so early march to uh, about march 19 or something like that and then we have our uh, new year that we celebrate it's similar to the uh, islam Uh, so we don't eat and and drink for 19 days but you know from sunset from sunrise to sunset Um, it's really um, when i'm i remember when i was 14 i was asking my parents can i You know, do my fasting. I was just so because I see them when they fast and the way how they are so happy and things like that. So, I was just when I turned fifteen, I my goodness, this is the time. And then before that, you know, I always would say, would read the writings, and during when I was reading in the writings, I said. Even one hour of fasting has has a, a tremendous gift and spiritual gift. Even one hour fasting, so I just wanted to experience that spiritual ecstasy. I really want to feel that. So, so since fifteen, I was of course uh, fasting. But you know, when I was uh, having babies or you know giving you know uh, 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 breastfeeding and things like that, we weren't supposed to fast because it's it's a, it's a blessing from God. You know, uh, but so those are the things that I remember. And then I still l- look forward to that time. When March comes, I get so excited. Uh, fasting time, and um, I, I fast. So um, there are two, there are the fasting when you fast. Uh, there's, um, it causes the elevation of one's spiritual station, Imagine. There is something about it, you know. When when you fast, there is when you fast, you could just remember God. Why am I fasting? There's a reason to it. So you just pause. Oh, okay, I'm fasting so that I could make myself closer to God, and uh, so it just gives you that pause. And uh, even the hungry uh, aches and things like that, it just reminds you, oh, I'm fasting because I remember there's there's a benefit to that. Um, and also, you know, just uh, rest your body when you fast. You know, your body has been digesting for many years. So this pause makes your liver to rest, your other organs to rest. And you also uplift yourself spiritually. So there are two benefits, your body and your spirit. And um, so uh, that's what I see. Um, So those are the things that you remember.
1: It was interesting. There was a period of time that I fasted from 7 to 11 days. And what I found is... As you said, when you get out two or three, the first day is a little challenging because your body's going, what are you doing? But it seemed like the farther out you get, the more clarity there is. The more you are divorced from that material stuff and the more you are connected with that divine side of you. And so we have so much to talk about and so little time. And so I did want to make sure that we kind of combined the last two questions. One of the questions was, what is the role of women in your faith tradition? But the other question was, for each of you to give a closing statement about your faith tradition and your role in that faith tradition. So I want to combine the two and... and Let you kind of close it out with sharing anything you would like to share with these people about the entire world and your faith tradition in less than four minutes. (laughs) No pressure. Who would like to go first?
4: I'm going to go because I will also resonate about the fasting thing a little bit that um, in in Islam also, if you are sick, or you're breastfeeding, or if you're pregnant, you don't have to fast. And people, there are sometimes people who will know that they cannot fast even this Ramadan or the following. They can give money for the meal for the day, for that day, you know, to uh, you know, so you, we um, kind of uh, people who don't fast, they have to give money if they can afford to do that part, um, and one of those things. And the other thing is also that the, like they've uh, said that in the beginning, you it takes a while for you to get used to, but in the end, it's very it it comes very naturally, though at the all the, together to the end. Your thinking point is more towards divine than to the world. So it comes brings you back after 30 days. And also with kids also, they have to be mature to do that. So that um, I want to add that part. And I really like the way you said it's two wings because fasting and prayers, you just go back and forth so much because prayers is fasting. Fasting is, you know, prayer, um, worship part. Um, with the women part... Um, Yeah, so uh, when Islam came at that time, uh, the religion, the women's rights were not that that we're not that honored that much so actually for me um, though it's contrary to what CNN and other people talk about for me being a Muslim woman is a very honorable thing and I feel like it speaks to me um, and like Kate said that we don't need a former priest or anybody in Islam when I say God God says that I come so close to you like you're this you know uh, uh, jugular way so, um, so I connect with God. I don't have to have a man or anybody to connect with God. My prayers will be. I will be. I need to answer my prayers. My fast, you know, and um, in um, when Islam came, uh, there was there is a hadith and Prophet Muhammad a saying of Prophet Muhammad, "If you raise three daughters, nurture them, educate them." You have automatic heaven. So when somebody has daughters, we will go and say, oh, that's an easy way of going to heaven, you know. Because if you nurture and raise them, that's what it is. Prophet Muhammad's first wife was a businesswoman. And she sent the proposal to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon it. So I feel like being a woman, being a feminist woman and powerful woman is a must part of Islam. So I feel like that's the... Word. Playing the role, um, in the, there are so many roles, so somebody came to Prophet Muhammad and he said that, I, 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 how how much should I love my mom? And he said, um, love your mom. And he said, who should I love second? And he said, love your mom. And he said, who should I love the third? And he said, love your mom. And he said, who should I love after? And he said, love your dad. So it's three is to one uh, for us to love your mom. And, um, <laughs> And also there's so much power to it in a sense that people don't know that a financial responsibility in Islam is on men. Um, if, a per- if a wife is feeding, breastfeeding the kid and she feels like that they decide to separate in that part or she feels like that they uh, go through different ways, he cannot make her have her feed the baby or something, he will have to make an arrangement and stuff like that. Same way um, um, when, uh, if you are in a marriage, Islam has given this right for a woman, if for any reason they don't want to stay with a the man, they have a right to divorce, you know? You know, they have a right to ask for the divorce and remarry. So I feel like those are the powerful things. And in Quran, when God talks about men, lower your gazes, he also, talks about to men and women to lower their cases so it's not like it's so I feel like there is a form of equality um, the last sermon of prophet Muhammad was that women have rights over men as men has rights over men so the rights are equal too so I feel like that part of that thing the role um, if I was raising my kids in Islamic country there is a mosque right there I there it, People will walk to the mosque. It's a whole different environment. But the role has changed coming here. We have to, so I think the role has more of a role of a Muslim woman to be, um, first of all, we have to defend that we are not oppressed all the time. That takes a lot of energy. But then at the same time also, um, uh, and you should ask our kids, who rules the home anyways, you know, <laughs> but, uh, and our husbands too. I know but, what your but, kids uh, say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that part. And so, and then the other part of it is that that now the mosque, in if you go to the Pakistan where I was born and raised, the Pakistani mosque, um, Pakistan, uh, the mosque is a place to pray, and then there are other community things going around. But in our place, the mosque becomes the community center, so we have to take our kids. So actually, we participate more here in America, as you know. And also in Pakistan, is still women are not allowed to go. Um, and not all the mosques; they can go and pray. It's men pray, go and pray in Arab world. Though women and men both go and pray. So it's like in India and Pakistan and Nepal, a few part, part of the country where people uh, women don't go to the mosque to pray. So for us to be in America, it becomes a community center, a prayer place. So we, I think it ha- that role has changed in that part. And also, um, like Kate said, that it's a big part to serve people. I cannot be a Muslim woman if I don't express that kindness and love to the humanity, you know? So I think that also part of serving people is a big part of uh, being a woman and also sharing your loving and nurturing nature with people around you.
1: Thank you. we are going to go over a little bit as we get these closing statements. Who would like to go next? Teddy? Yeah,
3: sure. <laughs> <coughs> okay, okay, Sure. Um, I won't go more than two, three minutes. I'll try. Uh, So um, she discussed a lot. So uh, I really enjoyed your points. Uh, So what could I say? So um, the role of women. When I think about a woman, um, you know, in the faith we um, talk about the equality of men and women, and uh, we say that um, the equal, the men and women are the wings of a bird. Like you know. Uh, those two wings have to go hand in hand. For the you know even when you think about humanity, in order for the humanity to go and developed and advanced in civilization, there must be inequality between the two sexes. It doesn't mean that um, what men do, the, the women have to do it too. But this is in terms of spiritual, this is a spiritual truth. I mean God created us noble, we are all noble. We are the same in the in the eyes of God. When we go to the next world, there are no sexes, but we, he had to use women and men in order for recreation of, you know, procreation of women and humanity. So um, when I think about um, the equality of men and women, I think about my, myself as a woman being as a mother. And in the Baha'i Faith, it talks about um, the importance of uh, mother in educating their children. Um, um, Tasks of women, beside other things that she has to do, but it's so important to um, because they are the first educators. They nurture. They know when you know giving birth and things like that. They know how it, difficult it is. So when you think about uh, peace and things like that, um, nowadays peace is very hard to find. But still, we're all working towards it. And when you talk about the ch- the mother and the child, the child, the mother always nurtures, you know, until the, the 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 child grows and educated and things like. She doesn't think about sending that child to war. So just think about it. So um, when you think about um, the children being in that atmosphere, they um, bring somehow peace in this world. So we have to always think about educating the mothers, the, like even in the, in the writings, if you have a boy and a girl, and if you don't have any money, but you have to send one of them to edu- to school, um, you have to choose your, your, the girl so that uh, she could get educated and that she becomes the um, peacemaker and the, the primary educator of the child. So um, And also, um, uh, when we think about the women's, jo- uh, women's task tasks. Uh, that she has to be under the same um, uh, um, table in terms of consultation. Because what she brings on the table um, is so important because mostly it's the nurturing and she has all this um, mind to bring goodness in, in, uh, in, 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 the, in, in the world. So she's got a very unique uh, uh, job in terms of uh, bringing peace. So in, in it says uh, one of the greatest roles in the establishment of universal peace is really that the women being partner with the, with the men. <laughs> uh, so, and, and then there are two, in, in the Baha'i faith, there are two women that came into my mind, usually, and then one of them is in the history, it's their early, um, the early uh, history, uh, the early, uh, Baha'i, when it, at the beginning of the Baha'i faith, there are two women, they, and one of them, her name is Thayre, and then she is one of the heroines of the Baha'i faith. She really did her audacious um, work, and then the, also the defender of the faith. She was very um, into it. And then also there's another woman that came to my mind, her name is Baha'i Khanum She is the daughter of uh, the founder of the Baha'i faith, and hers is um, mostly the tenderness, the humility. So, all those characteristics about the two women, really I try to uh, um, put it in my, in my, in my life. Um, so this in a very, um, in closing, on a very fundamental level, striving to improve myself as a Baha'i has a positive impact on the equality of the sexes, whether it is manifested in the manner I consult with my husband, the way I raise my daughters, or how I interact with others. And knowing that you know, women are always about well, media. She has to be beautiful, and she is more than that. So she could contribute many things to the the world.
1: Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Who would like to go next?
0: I guess I will. I've, my thoughts are all over the board now because I've heard some wonderful comments. Um, when I thought about the role of women, I was looking at. Uh, the Presbyterians, the Catholics, and the Unity, do they have women priests, women uh, ministers? And that's where I started. And, uh, of course, the Presbyterians do. Um, And also, I want to go back to my biblical uh, learnings uh, about Jesus, but I didn't really understand Jesus until I came to Unity. And uh, when we were looking at metaphysical, metaphysical interpretations of the Bible, Uh, Jesus actually uh, was one of the first prophets to honor women and also if you look at the Bible there are a lot of stories about very powerful women Uh, some of them are like Ruth uh, Mary Magdalene Mary Martha and there's a whole bunch of them there you can buy books on that so the women powerful women were honored in in the Bible which is kind of neat the Presbyterians have ordained ministers, women ministers all over the world. Um, uh, when I was at my former Presbyterian church, we did have a, a, a young woman minister there. Uh, the, the Catholic experience was different. Uh, even today, <laughs> um, and I, I have to say I honor the rituals and the, uh, just the experience of the being Catholic but um, they do not um, ordain priests, women priests. However, when I was exploring things I found in 2002, there's a Roman Catholic woman priest movement that started in Europe. And since that time they have ordained women priests and deacons, over 270 of them. And they uh, actually serve in different communities that allow them to serve However, they all have been excommunicated from the Roman Catholic <laughs> Church, and they are not honored. So there, there's a lot of work still to do, and, and I'm not going to go into other issues, which we are all thinking in the back of our minds about women issues. But um, we're, I think things are, we're working on it. I My sister-in-law is Catholic, so I talked to her. Now, she said women can become what the... Um, Train lay persons to assist the priest. And she is one. So she can take the Holy Eucharist to uh, someone who's homebound or in a hospital. Um, and uh, also during Mass, she can help out. And also, she said, there are other women there uh, in charge of committees, uh, Roman Catholic committees, and so forth. So um, I'm done already. It's not fair because I'm dealing with three different faiths here. <laughs> But unity, and, and I'll, I'll just close with, if I can close, uh, with unity because I, I grew up, I came to unity in 2005 at age 60, but I've grown up in my spirituality because of this experience. And um, I want to say that because they honor women, they, they and, and there's so many women ministers, and Faith Moran, who was co-founder of this community, was a unity minister uh, and loved all, all interfaith people. And I think I'm in her shadow somewhere because I didn't get to know her very well because she passed pretty quick when I came. But um, the unity um, message gives women power to become all they can spiritually. And I, for some reason, am not afraid to pick up a phone and call <laughs> the Salam Center and ask, "Can we bring a bunch of people over for a tour?" Um, I've had a moms hug me. I've had uh, people from the sick community hug me, um, and and it's part of my spiritual growth because of as a woman being in this type of positive community that I'm I am where I am today. And I want to say that. I have to say thank, namaste, namaste, and namaste to my spiritual sisters here who I've met because of this experience. And we're very grateful that you came tonight to share your messages. There is
1: another statement though. I know, I'm done. Thank you. Karen, could you close us out?
2: You know, uh, India has been for centuries, one of the places where uh, Shakti, the Divine Mother, was totally honored—you know, um, many festivals—and and, uh, and um, it's ironic that that uh, uh, that although in religion the women were totally, uh, you know, honored and um, and revered, in actual life sometimes that wasn't the case. And, but I have to say, in my in the community that I am in, uh, I have <laughs> I have never been uh, squelched as a woman. Uh, it, women and men in my community are equally serving and are are e- have equal opportunity. And and we know this church knows the Brahma Kumaris. You know, I mean, women are stepping up to to uh, do service in the world so I, I even though India um, traditionally has has honored the woman uh, as an ideal but not often or not always in real life there's been that dichotomy but I do think it's changing um, for a closing statement I just want to thank Rachel for being the uh, uh, the messenger of interfaith uh, cooperation and love. And uh, she's, I mean, she is just always thinking of that and finding ways to bring us together. So I want to thank Rachel and Dave. Um, And I just feel like it has been a uh, blessing in my life to have been uh, brought up and nurtured by many different faiths. And, you know, when I... I saw I was on the program as a Hindu. I thought, huh, am I a Hindu? But then when I went to, uh, to look at when, what a Hindu is, I do all the things, and I believe all the things. So uh, that's really been an interesting uh, sort of awakening for me that, oh, I guess I am. Huh. But anyway, thank you, Dave.
1: Thank you so much. So let us close in prayer. Everybody take a deep breath. We have had powerful voices here tonight. And we say, Divine One, we give thanks this night because we find out we're all one. We give thanks for our differences and how we love Thee. And we find strength in our similarities and how we co-create. We thank each heart that has shown up this day and thank each of you in the audience for this precious place called Earth. Earth. May our peace and love spread throughout this world with reckless abandon. Amen. Amen. Thanks to all of you for being here tonight. And even though I know that the staff is going to be wanting to get home, uh, I'm sure if you have a question or two for any of these women, they will answer them. Um, I, of course, will answer no questions. Join us on September 21st for the next Interfaith Explorers Wednesday night service, and remember this will be a podcast. Thank you for sitting in on this night as we shared all the differences of faith traditions. Thank each of you. Thank you you for joining us today
0: to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our Interfaith Connection podcasts are aired on the 4th Thursday of each month on Spiritual Life Center's website. You can also find them on your internet provider on the Podbean app. We want to hear from you, so send any comments, questions, or suggestions about our podcast to interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org because we want to know about your inner faith heart. As I close, let us all remember the words of Gandhi when he said, a peaceful exploration of all faith is our sacred duty. Namaste.